0: Thanks for waking up with WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070, WKOK and WKOK.com. Thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. Mark Lawrence here filling in for Rob Satter as producer and, of course, always being the anchor of Sunrise. So we very much appreciate you joining us this morning and thanks for being with us here on WKOK. On the newsline with us now, Samantha Pearson is a back, executive director of Lewisburg Neighborhoods and Elm Street Manager. And uh, when the time comes, and some folks are already getting to enjoy it, the Walk It Bike It Coordinator, we do see some folks out and about, and some biking out there, and some folks commute to all year round by bicycle. So we've talked about that in the past. But Samantha, thank you so much for coming, calling in today. Very glad to hear from you.
1: It's great to talk to you, Mark.
0: Well, you have been helping us move through this pandemic safely and occasionally helping me do a little bit of myth busting and uh, some fact checking and so on. So uh, it is safe if conducted properly to do the late night shoppers night that's coming up in Lewisburg. Correct. Correct.
1: Yeah, this is just, uh, we want to think about um, ways to be creative and still do the things we want to do. So the same way that Lewisburg came up with sort of an alternative for Halloween um, for downtown and um, incorporated best practices and mitigation practices, tried to spread people out over more time and, you know, kept as much as possible outdoors. So late shopper's night, instead of, you know, just being focused on one night is is spread out over more nights throughout this uh, this month, and uh, you know there will be uh, some snacks and uh, music outside, um, you know, on those evenings. So the fourth, the eleventh, and the eighteenth, um, and uh, many stores will be open till 9 p.m. on those nights, those Friday nights. And so that's just again taking. What we normally love to do for the holidays, and just looking at how we can um, work to make that safer for this year, and that's that's exactly the kind of thing we need to be doing, just in our private lives as well as you know uh, making accommodations in these in these public situations.
0: Well, just the fact that you describe late shoppers' night as three nights, <laughs> I mean, tells you. There's some things up here. So it would be the 4th, the 11th, which is also a Friday, and then the 19th, which is a Saturday, so a change there. The 18th. 18th. Oh, the 18th. Okay, sorry. Okay, I got that. There are always Friday nights that uh, Lewisburg will be open late. But, again, masking even when you're outdoors under these circumstances because you're going to encounter some people, social distancing, washing uh, the hands uh, regularly. What, What else do we need to keep in mind to enjoy a safe late shopper's night in Lewisburg?
1: Well, just remember that um, what we want is uh, to find ways to still be able to support the businesses we want to support. Look to support, you know, our local economy and our um, you know small businesses. We want people to check out all the great Lewisburgian lights stuff that's going on. There's a art installation at the gazebo, and people may or may not have seen the the um, the extra lights on um, Market Street. So all of that is just. Stuff. So in other words, the things we want people to focus on are the things that are special and fun, um, even as they pay attention to their masks and distancing and also, you know, their own um, condition. If you have are aware of having had a, an exposure to someone, a known uh, case of COVID, you would not want to go. You would want to isolate and stay home. If you have symptoms of some kind, you would also not want to go. You would want to make sure to, um, you know, gauge your own participation depending on on your risk level. So those are all things to keep in mind, and those are not sort of a normal holiday season, but we can incorporate them in order to, um, you know, do what it takes and still support our local economy.
0: One of the CDC recommendations is that if people are compelled to travel in the weeks ahead that they get a COVID-19 test beforehand and then afterward, uh, your yes. thoughts on this, this uh, testing conversation that's really become a, a huge conversation in the U.S. right now?
1: Well, it is tricky, for one thing, because though we are doing many, so many more tests than we were in the past, we actually need more tests. And so actually merely getting a test in case is a little bit problematic. And so while it is advisable, it's one of the ways you can try to um, minimize your uh your the the exposure you might bring to others um, it's actually for one thing not sufficient by itself and um and a little bit questionable because you might be you know depriving someone who has symptoms and urgently needs you know to get a test uh, of access. you know the lines have been fairly long, it could be a matter of time, it could be a matter of access to supplies, different things um so while if you were going to travel. That would be advised um you know ultimately when they really when you really look at what what is would be recommended, like say if I wanted to go to Massachusetts, which we normally do for for christmas we we would need to quarantine for two weeks before we went <laughs> quarantine for two weeks after we came back. That would make for a little bit of a too long christmas break um I mean you can work obviously while you're quarantining if you're doing it from home, but it's still. Uh, you know, really ups your level of isolation. Quarantine doesn't mean, oh, that's just what we've always been doing. Quarantine for something like that would really be not having any other contacts, so there couldn't possibly be other ways of um, of catching or, uh, you know, continuing to transmit the disease in those periods. Testing actually could be layered on that, especially if it wasn't just one person, because you could be trading uh, an asymptomatic case or a mild case amongst a household during a two-week period and sort of undo the quarantine. But testing before and after will at least allow you to know whether, you know, a couple days before, whether you had successfully avoided getting uh, infected. But testing takes time to get your results back and doesn't tell you about any, uh, you know, newer exposures you might have had like in the course of traveling so it's a fairly uh big can of worms Um, and that's why a lot of people are just saying just don't do it like make other plans for this year i certainly am
0: At this time next year, uh, a vaccine will be in uh, pretty wide circulation. Uh, What might that look like then in terms of access and travel? A lot of folks saying that after you know half the population gets the vaccine, a lot of businesses will spring back, and there'll be a lot of pent-up demand to to do different things. What What do you envision?
1: We could certainly see, I, I know people who are already talking about Christmas in July, you know, just uh, once it really does make sense, to, there's no one saying I can't do it now. You know, um, But I, I think it is important to realize, it's good to think about it a year from now, because that would be enough time for everything to have rolled out. Um, it, it is going to be a process. There's a lot of logistics involved. But, you know, um, it, once it does roll out completely, we should... Yeah, it's hard to imagine what life on the other side is going to look like, but we, we think and hope it's going to still look a lot like it used to look. There will probably still be people, and it, it may become a habit as it is or has been already in Asia, to wear a mask whenever you're sick, You know, or even in winter people might still continue wearing masks. Um, people with immune um, uh, issues may may opt to wear a mask much more often than had ever been the case in this country before. Uh, you know, I, I don't think things like that, unfortunately, will completely go away. But um, we are hoping that, you know, if we can get this rolled out and we can get through this crunch of um, this next couple of months, uh, we'll be able to sort of pick up, you know, the pieces and, and um, try to resume everything we love to do
0: talk about treatment access or access to treatment talk about that what is uh, what are you referring to there
1: sure so as we know not everyone has full access to uh, health care you know and adequate health care so um, it it can be an issue with this in particular because people may have pressure whether they' are contractors with um, you know not like building contractors but maybe their their employment is through a contractorship and they are not uh, you know getting health care through their employment or um, or they may get somewhat less less adequate health care they may be under pressure to go to work even if they don't feel great you know and uh, or to go to work if they even if someone has told them that they have had an exposure of some kind um, and that kind of pressure actually exacerbates the pandemic because we don't have systems that allow people, you know, give people the grace, give people the the just the reasonable um, ability to stay home when they may be in a position to transmit the disease, that is prolonging everything.
0: All right. So that is something that where can I get more information on that? I, I think that's probably there's a lot of unanswered questions there, or frequently asked questions anyway.
1: Um, Well, so I think in terms of getting more answers about how we are approaching solutions to this, right now watching the national news with respect to, uh, uh, you know, new uh, relief packages that are being discussed, it's sort of – and comparing those to, say, for example, European relief packages, which have been ongoing, not one-time things, and have been really comprehensive. They have – Address things, you know, in many cases they already have, you know, comprehensive health care, so that is already addressed. But they address things like child care, they address things like, um, you know, protections for industries that are so adversely impacted that they really can't function, um, or really, really, you know, whether it's hoteliers or restaurants, people that are, are really having to radically adapt and transform what they do, and that's truly really threatening both their ability to run a business, support employees. And support themselves. So, other countries are providing substantial support for that. Understanding that this is, we need people to still have jobs, we need people to, you know, and we need businesses to still be there when we are able to come back. So, these are investments in the future. Um, Things like that, making sure, you know, we have our state governments functioning so that we are still um, able to maintain basic services, whether you know, it's something like, uh, you know, our state governments are, are some of our largest employers. Whether it's PennDOT or you know, uh, the state police or um, you know, people running all sorts of aspects of, of the state, and we we need people in those positions. And we our, our states too, like our other critical employ employers, are are really being pinched by by the by the pandemic, and so many we we depend on them so it's sort of short-sighted to um, you know allow that to exacerbate the misery of the of the pandemic
0: all right well uh, uh, we will close with uh, your giving us information on uh, where to get more information on all of this we're going to continue our conversation at 7:40 but uh, sure. in the meantime where do i get uh, good factual unbiased information
1: so Lewisburg Neighborhoods has, so LewisburgNeighborhoods.org, uh, as usual, has a lot of posts about um, COVID-19, and we also welcome people uh, emailing us at news at org if they have, um, you know, links and ideas that they uh, think should be shared.
0: At Lewisburgneighborhoods.org. All right, fa- fabulous. Thank you so much. I'm going to put you on hold. You're welcome to stay on hold or call back. But uh, Samantha Pearson, uh, Elm Street manager in Lewisburg, walk it, bike it coordinator. We've had lots of conversations about that during uh, normal times. And uh, uh, Elm Street manager, as I mentioned up in uh, Lewisburg, and executive director of Lewisburg Neighborhoods. So. Uh, We appreciate her call in. Uh, We'll be back on the air uh, just after 7.40 this morning with more information. We still want to talk about what to do if you or someone in your household does get uh, COVID-19. What do you do? And uh, how about some folks stepping up here? What about a leadership vacuum? We're going to talk about that uh, at 7.40 this morning with Samantha. Back on the news line with us now, Samantha Pearson, Executive Director, Lewisburg Neighborhoods. Elm Street Manager and Walk It Bike It Coordinator. We've been talking about COVID-19 and really uh, what what impact, if any, testing can have. If you had uh, travel plans and where people are getting uh, treatment for COVID-19. And she mentioned uh, what about the workers and businesses that really are impacted by this pandemic. So that is uh, we appreciate that. She's back on the line. Good morning, Samantha. Thanks again for calling in.
1: Good to talk to you, Mark.
0: What if your family uh, has someone in your family, you or your, someone in your household or your pod, has COVID-19? Well,
1: <clears throat> so for the person who's actually ill, you know, there's there's things to think about. For one thing, staying calm. That's a really primary thing because a lot of people are convinced that people who want people to think about COVID want them to be very, be, be very afraid. And, in fact, we just want them to be reasonable. And so one of the first reasonable things you can do is stay calm. Uh, the next reasonable thing you can do, especially if you are in a household of more than one person and only one person has tested positive, is to isolate that person even within the house or if you, know, if you have sort of guest quarters or you, know, you can sort of separate to the extent possible, staying in a room, using separate baths, maybe uh, you know, visiting the kitchen separately or delivering meals to them. Um, you want them to do what they would normally do if they were sick, rest and hydrate, you know, just uh, really keep an eye on themselves, care for, you care for them, but, but do it to the extent possible from a distance. So those are our, our primary things because we do know that most people who get this will do fine, and, but you still need to treat it like, uh, like they're sick and, and take that into account. Um, and then you also want to be on, on your guard um, watching in case things do get worse. So, for example, if you have a, a severe cough or a fever over 100 um, for uh, you know, uh, any, that, that just isn't wanting to go away, you should be in contact with your healthcare care pro- provider. You know, call, call your, your physician um, or urgent care just to check in. Um, and then if you actually do have trouble breathing, uh, sort of a new level of confusion, because there are neurological potential effects, or you have chest pains, um, then that would uh, indicate a trip to the ER was, was in order. So it's sort of this continuum, and it goes from all the way from just doing sort of the basic, resting, hydrating, isolating, and staying calm. Um, you know, that's what, that's what most people are going to need to do. Uh, and that will be enough for most people, which is great. But we need to remember to go ahead and do that and not try to power through it, definitely not try to keep going out, try not to, you know, do other things. Um, you, you want to, uh, you know, let yourself be sick and just be reasonable. Well,
0: it's interesting you say staying calm. I have talked to literally hundreds of people about this uh, over the months, and almost everybody says it's a little scary, whether they're a health provider from, uh, you know, Dr. Rachel Levine all the way down to a child that had it, you know, seemingly for one day. Uh, they all report that this is scary to deal with and scary to have.
1: Well, and it's true. So I, that's one reason I'm putting Stay Calm in there is that you want to remember that you should stay calm because staying calm actually helps, right? It keeps your, your heart rate lower and you, you just are... are your body is in a more receptive mood like that. But it's true. This is a stressful time. Getting a, a positive diagnosis can be additionally stressful, partly because, like we talked about, there's all these other secondary effects. You know, just being able to focus, being able to isolate in your house can, is complicated. you got to figure that out. And then um, what are the implications for other family members? And what are the implications for work or for school? So all of those things add to the potential stress not to mention the uncertainty of what's going to happen. But that's where we do need to remember that statistically speaking, most likely you're going to be okay. So we should sort of lean into that and use that as a comfort, not as something to distract us from doing the right thing, which for some reason it has turned into for other people like, well, so few people actually get that ill, we should just ignore it, which just doesn't make sense. Um, uh I'd I'd actually like to encourage people to check out um, a new documentary that Geisinger has available on their website. It's a half-hour program about what they were going through in May of this year with respect to COVID, and um, it's really striking. It's very interesting. It's well put together. And at the end, it points out that the critical and, and crisis time they were dealing with in May They have now exceeded those numbers for hospitalizations and ICU uh, admissions um, in November. So, um, you know, they're they're talking about how, how difficult it was and, you know, the challenges they were facing. And some of those things have changed in the intervening months, but our current wave is actually just as bad. So I think having that in perspective but also recognizing it's a small percentage of the overall number of people who get ill is important.
0: Well, for example, the documentary Five Days in May, uh, they talk about uh, having about 100 COVID-19 patients in the entire Geisinger system, which, you know, the catchment area is millions of people, and now they have 100 people at Geisinger Danville who have COVID-19, 30-some are on a ventilator. Just, you know, critically difficult numbers uh, to deal with. And and like we said, uh, just really scary. There's also a brain fog that comes with this. I'm sure there's a better term for it, cognitively. Uh, Tell me about that. It seems to be a lingering effect for individuals who uh, contract COVID-19.
1: Well, one of the challenges is that there's such a wide array of potential um, symptoms. And so some people... Brain fog does seem to be one of the potential things that people have, but in the same way that a lot of people, like up to 40%, have no symptoms. um, You know, you don't have to have all the symptoms. So one of the things they're seeing is people getting diagnosed, and they're like, well, I I can't have it because I can still smell, (laughs) you know. So some people do have, and in fact, smelling is is a neurological effect, right? Smelling has to do with your senses, has to do with your your, your nervous system. In the same way, you know, so it's, it's how... Signals are getting to your brain, and so the brain fog is also another neurological effect. Some people have more heavily respiratory issues. Some people have circulatory issues. um, Some people are having issues with clotting and things like that. Other people, you know, uh, do have uh, gastrointestinal issues, but not everyone. So there's a wide range of potential symptoms, um, and uh, some of them we've also sort of isolated that there's now uh, decided there's three different stages. There's sort of the just been diagnosed and are sick or not. You know, you might be asymptomatic. There's longer-term drawn-out sickness uh, just over, say, six weeks or so. And then there's the, what they're calling long haulers. In all three of those stages, you could have symptoms in all three. You could have symptoms only in one of those stages. You could have symptoms in two but not one of the other ones which means that you might not be acutely sick at the moment, but you could still have long-haul symptoms, uh, you know, two months later. All of this is really confusing for people to go through and experience. And it it is stressful, but that's why we're so looking forward to having the vaccine um, coming through for us. You know, this is so critical to get that out to the healthcare workers, especially who are, are most exposed of all at the moment and also to do what we can to, to reduce everyone's exposure. I think it uh, was mentioned between uh, the segments that, you know, there's no plans yet to, to vaccinize kids at all just because we don't have a vaccine, but they're working on those in the same way that they, they work really fast on all the rest. So, you know, my, my own kids are like, you know, gaming out. So if I get the vaccine and then this and then this and, that, you know, trying to figure out what would happen... And it's like, we don't know, we're staying open, it will probably be a process, like with the ones we have so far for adults, they're going to be, you have to get multiple shots and then you'll have to wait after the second shot, not everyone will have had it, so you'll still be wearing masks and distancing, but, you know, gradually moving into the, the, the new after coronavirus world
0: uh I have noticed something and this is an opinion and not a fact that uh, a lot of people around here who are in leadership positions I, I think have just really missed a big opportunity here to step up I mean we see common sense individuals super smart uh, leaders around here that uh, you know are producing no tax increase budgets and running offices and businesses ultra efficiently but have uh, earplugs in and just really aren't listening to guidelines and and masking and distancing and uh, just not paying attention missing an opportunity to lead your thoughts on on that opinion
1: it really does feel like a missed opportunity I mean people are there is a, a, a vacuum of leadership and, and people are begging for um, clear messaging and and honesty and transparency you know these are the things we know these are the things we don't know um, I actually do appreciate what's happening at the state level. I appreciate the, the speaking and the regular press conferences, but I would, and I know that local uh, leaders don't necessarily feel comfortable with the specific messages. But I feel like they could still come down on things that match their values, which are supporting uh, their neighbors. You know, being you know supporting their own community. Doing what you can to um, ensure the health of your neighbor, and so that's where just a little bit more um, assertiveness with with masking and distancing um, could help our our region so much, so so much. And there's this weird conviction that um, people are being uh, champions of against lock, locking down, um, uh, and it's like, well, if the people who don't want Things to lock down are really committed to mass and distancing. To be perfectly honest, and this, I don't mind. They could they could adjust their position and start being really committed to mass and distancing, so that we don't have to lock down. Um, that would be great. I would love to see that. Um, I, I would welcome people doing that. I think Stacy Richards was trying to, you know, push for that yesterday. Uh, our, one of our Union County commissioners. Um, you know, we have healthcare. Uh, workers who are asking us, please do these things, please tell everyone you know to do these things. And leaders know a lot of people. They literally, by virtue of their position, have the opportunity to spread those messages really effectively. And um, they're being asked to do that, and I'm not quite sure why it's not happening
0: (laughs) they declined to do so. Well, thank you for stepping up and being a great leader in the community. We very much appreciate that. Uh, Samantha Pearson, Elm Street Manager and Executive Director of Lewisburg Neighborhoods, thanks for calling in today.
1: Good to talk to you again, Mark.
0: Uh, Samantha Pearson, and I was so glad a week ago to see my uh, pocket cast indicator light up that there was a new Radio Free Lewisburg talking about uh, safely observing the Thanksgiving holiday, but of course we're going to apply that uh, directly to Christmas holidays as well.